this morning we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. That's Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. But before we get into that, I just wanted to share with you and maybe refresh your memory a little bit. At the end of last year, you might recall that I went to Wellington and I was there to renew my passport. Does anyone remember that? Yeah. And God took me on a great adventure. It was just 15 minutes there to prove my identity. And uh, (laughs) of all the places I ended up, there I was at an occult exhibition uh, talking to staff about Jesus. And so I was more than a little bit excited when I heard again that I was going to Wellington. And I thought, wow, God, what are you going to, what adventure have you got for me? And especially so because I was going to Government House and I told everyone at work it was the first time in 120 years that an Australian had stepped foot there. And uh, (laughs) there was apparently going to be this opportunity to meet the Governor-General of New Zealand, uh, Sir Graham Henry, and the Minister for Youth Affairs. I was there uh, as part of an event with Scouts. Uh, but our company sponsors Scouts, so we were invited to head up for their 110th anniversary in New Zealand. But do, do you think anything happened? Nothing. I didn't even have an opportunity to talk to them. They were quickly ushered into another room. But, you know, it just reminded me that uh, sometimes God will have us actively involved, and other times we're just, it feels like we're just spectators. But the point is that we're always to be prepared for the task that God has for us. And so what relevance does that have to what I'm preaching today? Nothing. But I will say this, you know, uh, those who are first will be last and those who are last will be first. And by people's standard, we look at someone like the Governor-General and we think, oh, that person's really important, right? But God doesn't play favourites. And so I was able to witness to my boss a little bit and talk to him about the Bible, and I was just so thankful for that opportunity. And can I encourage you, if you feel the prompting of God, it never disappoints. Act on it, and uh, God will take you on some pretty awesome adventures. So that passage again is Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Let's begin. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go into all the neighbouring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give you to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants after them. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come, that you would speak to each of us. Guide me, Lord, as I navigate to the glory of your name. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about moving forward. Moving forward beyond the potential wilderness of our circumstances, of our hearts, of our thoughts and our actions, just as the Israelites were called to move forward into the promised land. 
And it's in this, this passage that we see just that. This is essentially, what we're reading here is essentially Moses' farewell sermon. And it recounts what occurred a number of books earlier in Exodus from about chapter 19 through to 40, where the Israelites come to Mount Sinai while in exile. And it's there that they encounter God and they form a covenant and they receive the Ten Commandments. Now, just a footnote there in uh, verse 6, you'll see a reference to Horeb. That's, there's a lot of debate among scholars whether this is a different place, but just for today, without getting too much into it, it's, you might know it better as Mount Sinai. I'm just going to treat it as the same place this morning. And after spending a year on the side of this mountain, God gives them a nudge forward saying, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. I I want you to consider just for a moment your own circumstances and your own situations, your own life, what you currently think about, what, what consumes your thoughts, what you meditate on, what you act upon, and your actions, your resentments, your unforgiveness, hurt, shame, anger, bitterness, temptation, sin, and the, your overarching attitudes. In the words of Almighty God, is he saying to you today, you have stayed here long enough. It's time to break camp and move forward into the promised land. Yes, you're saved, but are you living in the victory? Is it time to accept the call of God, move onto greener pastures, a land flowing in milk and honey? I was um, recently confronted with this myself. As uh, some of you have heard me share before, I periodically suffer from insomnia. I can't sleep. I know there's others here. It's <laughs> such a terrible feeling. But, you know, um, there's a lot of negative thoughts that come with that. And you begin to, in a way, fear sleep itself. And you just feel yourself getting weighed down in your circumstances. And I'm sure this can, you can relate to this, even if you don't suffer from lack of sleep, how one problem here can kind of emanate into other areas. And I came to the stunning realisation that just how long I had been prepared to stay in the desert of my circumstances, just how long I'd been willing to accept it as status quo without moving forward into the promised land. So just like the Israelites... I found myself living there and not passing through. I was camping on the side of a mountain. And I think that's such a wonderful metaphor. You know, a mountain, as as we see in other passages, often refers to a problem. And it seems immeasurable in size. And it seems impassable. And here the Israelites were camping on the side of a mountain. And like the Israelites... I couldn't go back to Egypt and somehow I couldn't move forward into the promised land. 
And this realisation of just how long I'd been here was further confounded by what I discovered in verse 2 of this scripture. Let's have a look at that now. Verse 2, and I want you to highlight this. It takes 11 days to go from Hereb to Kadesh Baana by the Mount Seir Road. In case you missed it, that's 11 days to go from Mount Sinai into the Promised Land. And here the Israelites are 40 years later, still in the wilderness. Wow. How many years had I been living with my issues because I didn't trust God to deal with them? How many years have you been walking around in the wilderness? Can I encourage you today? Don't make it a day longer. As I explored this scripture, I was making a couple of notes, and I wish I had time to to share them all today. But just a few notes centering on the role of faith or lack thereof when in moving forward into the promised land when we feel the prompting of God. So I'll keep this to two today. Um, And number one, and this might seem counterintuitive to what I'm talking about today, but let me explain. God will let you take the longer way into the promised land. It's not his original plan or a preference, but he will let you. Let's unpack this a little bit. If we turn to Exodus chapter 13 and have a look at verse 17 and 18. So that's Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. So, in other words, God led the people, didn't lead the people by the fastest route into the Promised Land. He allowed them additional time to get there because he knew their faith wasn't strong enough. Now, I want you to imagine just for a moment that it's your first day of graduation from the school of Christian conversion, okay? (laughs) You're you're feeling mega pumped. Yes, God, I I know you. I I accept you, Jesus, into my heart. You're on cloud nine. It's the first day of your conversion. You've got your first love. And then someone passes you a comprehensive list of 100 things that you need to change about yourself to apparently make you right with God, right? (laughs) I can imagine if someone passed me that list, they would have said something like, Evan, you better take a seat because we're going to be here a while. (laughs) The, The truth is, God is incredibly patient with us. And in our weakness, in our faults and failings, God's love and grace abounds all the more. 
In his mercy, God has given us more time to iron things out. But, there is a but, okay? Be warned. You're on a path to the promised land, okay? To becoming more Christ-like. He never intended you to dwell in the desert indefinitely. I remember when I first converted there was a couple of things that God dealt with straight away. Uh, for example, I stopped swearing. I, um, it wasn't long until I stopped smoking. Yes, I used to smoke. <laughs> um, but there was this one area of sin that came along where God went, okay, now I want you to start tackling this and doing away with this. And I remember sort of brushing it aside. I didn't really want to give it too much attention. Have you ever done that where you go, if I just don't think about it, (laughs) maybe it will go away, right? So I go to home group. I'm going to home group by this stage. And a mentor in the faith, they were praying for me and and he had this prophetic word for me. And it was that he saw this, this vast flat plain as far as the eye could see without a tree in it. And the soil was dry and parched but there was this wall holding back this, this immense amount of water. And the thing that was stopping the water from, from flowing out into the land was a gate. And he said, you perceive there's this big lock holding this gate tight, shut, but God wants you to know it's this little latch and he's calling you to open the gate, to let it flood. And that would in turn flood out in my life flow the holy spirit would flow through my life but into other people's lives as well and even with that and i knew i knew god was saying look evan it's time to move on but i didn't and i tell you the day that that sin came out it was devastating god had prompted me and prompted me and i hadn't done anything with it I know I'm forgiven now, but gee, I didn't have to go the extra long way. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, it says this. So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. The interesting thing about that passage is that's a reference. If you see it in your Bible, you'll see it's referencing what's written in Psalms 95, which in turn is referencing what occurred in Numbers chapter 14, and we'll read that shortly. But uh, just for your own Bible study, I love it when I get this like domino effect in, in Scripture where it's referencing this Scripture that's referencing that one and so forth. And it, I, I think it's... T- to bring extra attention to certain truths. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Can I encourage you, don't put it off. If God's prompting you today, don't put it off. Number two, and again, looking at this this area of faith and moving into the promised land and I want to have a look at the role that fear has in keeping us from moving forward. 
Turning now to um, Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. We read how the Israelites lost faith and became fearful of the promised land instead of rejoicing in it. They chose to listen to the negative reports and, well, what followed? Trouble. Let's read it. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. After the Israelites heard the report from the 12 men who had explored Canaan, the people cried all night and they complained to Moses and Aaron, we wish we had died in Egypt or somewhere out here in the desert. Is the Lord leading us into Canaan just to have us killed and our women and children captured? We'd be better off in Egypt. Then they, uh, then they said to one another, let's choose our own leader and go back. Are you afraid to move into the promised land? Have you believed a lie from the devil? And let me just say, I did. You see, the, the enemy wants to keep you in the desert indefinitely. He never wants you to move on to the promised land. And he'll whisper lies to you. Things like, it's too difficult, too difficult to move on. It's too painful. Uh, your sins will be exposed can't do it and um, my personal favorite your problems aren't that big a deal anyway like it's not really sin it's not a big issue (laughs) oh how I've been deceived (laughs) don't let the devil keep you in misery or prevent or rob you of the victory God didn't bring the Israelites into the desert to leave them He's there for you and will never leave or forsake you. I was so encouraged last week when I heard Max share this uh, from Psalms chapter 24. And you you know how you can hear scripture, you can hear it a hundred times, and yeah, yeah, that's nice. But sometimes it's just like, it's like a home run. Like you just go, wow, it's like that was written just for me. I'll share that scripture now. Well, just a verse from that scripture that that Max referenced. Psalms chapter 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Notice, though, that it doesn't say something like this, okay? The alternative version. (laughs) That it doesn't say this. Even though I purchase a property, I build a house, and I stay in the valley of the shadow of death. No, we're walking through it. And God is with us every step of the way. It's part of a journey, yes, but it's not the destination. I, some months ago, I came forward for prayer And Israel, he prayed over me and he had this prophetic word for me. It just came at such a great time. Um, He said, you're on this raft and you're using, well, it's a rowboat and you're moving towards a destination God has, but you're surrounded by darkness. All you can see is darkness. But you know who you are in Christ and you know the destination God has for you. He said, 
move forward, move forward to the destination. See, I was being distracted by the darkness, the immediate problems that I had. I, wasn't, I found it hard to focus in on the path ahead, the, the destination. But that was such an encouragement just to move forward. And if, you, if you're facing problems you, today, maybe your place is, has darkness. It's difficult to see how this marries up to where God has you or what your destination is. But let me encourage you to move forward. If uh, the musicians could please come forward. As I was uh, contemplating this message, I did something that I uh, often do. I return to God, even though I feel him prompting me, and I go, God, is this really of you? Like, is this the message? And as I did this, he gave me this image. And I'm really interested to know if anyone's seen this here today at first hand, if you've ever seen it with your own eyes. And that is what happens when, in extremely cold conditions, what happens to a plane before it takes off the, to get rid of the ice that forms on the wings. Has anyone seen that before? I think it doesn't get cold enough. Oh, you, you've seen it? May, may I ask, where were you when you saw that? Canada. And uh, now I'm really stretching your memory. Do you know how cold it was outside? Yeah, minus 10, yep. Uh, well, extremely cold anyway. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, basically what happens is that ice forms on a plane when it's extremely cold, and so it that ice will prevent the air flowing over the wing to form that lift that's required for it to take off. And so from what I've read, and I've never personally witnessed it, but it's like a two-part process. They apply uh, high-pressure uh, heated water or liquid to the aircraft to get rid of the ice and then they spray it again uh, to uh, like a, an antifreeze and then it's not long thereafter that the plane has to take off right and I was with this image I was just it just clicked you know there the disciples were they were told to stay put and then what happened the day of Pentecost, they received the Holy Spirit and then they were able to fly and they went forward. The Israelites received the revelation. What an amazing encounter with God at Mount Sinai. But they just didn't get it. And there they were for 40 years following before they could fly the, the Holy Spirit lives in you now it's your turn to fly Joyce Meyer said this even when you, you're on the right path you discover it winds through some valleys learn how to stick with God during those difficult times 
can I encourage you to move forward into the promised land? Don't dwell in the desert. <laughs>